When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Hey, Incline listeners, looking to start your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Now, you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can have it heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is up, everyone, and thank you for checking out The Incline. We're recording on Tuesday, July 21st, officially two days before opening day. About time, I must say. It's been a very long off season. I'm joined by David and Jake, as always. How are you guys doing? Two days. Opening day's in two days. I need a haircut, but other than that, I'm chilling. <laughs> my sister cut my hair the other day, so I'm doing all right. But um, I am so pumped for opening day. And watching these spring training games, spring, spring training 2.0 has been awesome. Um, yes, I'm right there with you. So let's talk about the latest Dodger news. And we're going to start off with the second baseman, Gavin Lux, officially being optioned to the Dodgers alternative site today, which means he will probably not be on the opening day roster. He's had a very rough spring training in summer camp, so I'm really not surprised by the move. You got to think this is service time manipulation what do you guys feel um yeah it's we we don't really know the rules on that uh one someone told me you have to be in the minors for six days um so if it is and they keep him in the minors then it's you know it's kind of unfair to him but um you know that that'd be great for the dodgers in, in general uh but frankly i think this is just a a casualty of him reporting late to camp and the Dodgers roster being so deep as it is. Uh, as of right now, it looks like they're going to be scoring 10 runs a game. Uh, so they, there's no rush to, to get them out there, in my opinion. Yeah, it's two birds with one stone, in my opinion. So it, it, it has a lot to do with the fact, like you said, that he showed up late. But he also hasn't been performing 
not only with the bat, but with the, with the glove too. I mean, he had a horrendous day yesterday on the field against the D backs. Um, so I feel like Gavin, you know, could use a few more reps in order to get him ready for the major league roster. There is enough depth there. And I kind of like the way that they're, that they're handling this because everyone's always been, I've been saying it, everyone's been saying it, that Gavin Lux was the starting second baseman for the Dodgers. And I, I like that, Friedman and Roberts are letting him earn that and you can't ignore the way that Kike Hernandez and Chris Taylor have been playing the two veterans on the team I think the way that they've been playing they deserve the shot way more than Gavin Lux yeah I I would agree with that Uh, both of those guys have been out playing him Uh, they've been in camp longer Uh, I think this is like I said I think it's just a case of you know they need to get Lux they need his his feet to get under him real quick Uh, and they can call him up anytime they want. So I, I would, if I'm a Dodgers fan, I, don't worry about this whatsoever. I'm ready to make the case that Chris Taylor deserves to start at second base. I know there's a lot of Kike fans out there, but if you look at the 2019 splits, Chris Taylor batted 267 against right-handed pitching. He has a better ability to get on base, and he just showed yesterday he can still hit it deep. He had a nice home run for a three-run shot, I believe. So Chris Taylor is my guy. Yeah, I'd like to see Chris Taylor in that spot. He hasn't really held down a starting role since, I don't know, 2017, 2018, maybe a little bit, but, um, you know, when he was a starting center fielder. So I'd like to see him get a shot. I think last year was uh, sort of the first year that they gave Kike a shot at starting at second, um, Mm -hmm. and it didn't really work out that well. He proved to be actually a more efficient bench player than a starter. So if you're looking at both of those guys, I think – you know, you could pick either one and you'd be fine with it. But yeah, I'd like to see Chris Taylor there. I think he's earned it. All right. It can't go wrong in my opinion. They're, this team is so loaded. It, just plug and play whoever you want. They're going to be scoring a ton of runs a game. Yeah. Put Chico out there for Christ's sake. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Next on the agenda, the Dodgers made a signing today. They added left-handed reliever Jake McGee, who was released by the Colorado Rockies just a few days ago. And I, for one, I'm very excited about this move. And the reason being, on the road, Jake McGee had a 2.91 ERA versus Coors Field, where it was just a whole different story. I think in Dodger Blue, he can turn it around. We had some insight information from our own Stephen Douglas saying that McGee had a lot of mechanical issues this summer camp. So the Rockies, I guess, just gave up on him. That wasn't worth the $9 And he held left-handed batters to a 235 batting average. So I actually think McGee is an upgrade over Adam Kalerik and Scott Alexander. So I am high on this signing. Yeah, I actually have a, a few thoughts on this. Um, it's definitely worth the signing. It's a flyer signing. Uh, try him out, see how it goes. Uh, but basically, McGee is, at this point in his career, he's a two-pitch pitcher. He throws his four-seam fastball 80% of the time and a slider about 19% of the time. And it's interesting because his struggles basically started in 2016 when he left Tampa Bay. And beginning in 2016, uh, he basically – well, more, more so in, in 2015. He basically ditched his sinker completely. Uh, in 2015, he was throwing it 37% of the time, and now he throws it less than 1% of the time, if at all. I don't think he's thrown a sinker in two years. Uh, but his slider usage has picked up. It is probably his best pitch, although he relies on the fastball. So I'll be interested to see how the Dodgers pitching staff, uh, pitching coordinators, Mark, Mark Pryor and the rest of them, 
work with him, and I'll be interested to see if he adds a third pitch again. I don't think it's lost on anybody, his connection to Andrew Friedman and the Tampa Bay Rays. Yep. Friedman bringing players over left and right from that organization. He knows something we all don't know, and I think this is a really smart signing. I think you can't have too many bullpen arms. The more pitchers we have, the better. You have a bunch of guys that have the opportunity to be dominant, and they could all be dominant, but if some of them falter, you have these other guys you can plug in there, like a a McGee, or if Trinan falters, you got Baez, if you got Kenley Jansen, you got Joe Kelly. So you you got a lot, Gratterall. You got all these guys that you can plug in there, eighth, ninth inning, uh, to be able to secure this bullpen. And I just think that, uh, you know, unfortunately for McGee, you know, he he went from Tampa Bay where he pitched really, really well, and then he went to Colorado where he pitched really, really poorly. Yep. And that just what that is just what happens when you pitch for the Colorado Rockies. And so yep. I, you know, I don't fault the Rockies for 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 getting rid of him. I mean. You know, if he's proven that he can't pitch in their ballpark, what, you know, what use is, what good is he to them? So I feel like we, we pounced on this and Kevin, you've been uh, harping on McGee for a long time. Yeah. First point I want to make Wade Davis, another example, Rockies gave him a lot of money. This is one of the top closers in baseball ever since he's been a Rocky now. It's just been, it's been a major disaster getting ERA over eight last year. And then what I like about what Freeman's been doing, he's adding a lot of former closers. You look at Blake Trinan, that's one with Oakland. A.J. Ramos was a closer with the Marlins. And now you add Jake McGee, who has some closing experience as well with Colorado. So if Kenley is to go down with an injury or something, we have a lot of guys to plug in now who have pitched the ninth inning and are used to that pressure. Also, he was born, Jake McGee was born in San Jose, California. So kind of a local boy coming home, Northern California, but you know, still, I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's a great signing yeah. and it'll be interesting to see because they haven't yet announced whether or not he's going to be on the roster, but you can assume that making this signing, yeah. he, it sort of get, you know, kind of indicates that he will be. And of course, if he doesn't make the roster, you've also you got a guy like Victor, Victor Gonzalez who could be a late-inning bullpen guy or a long reliever. I just yeah, feel I mean, like me and Andrew Freeman, we're on the same wavelength right now. I wanted Mookie Betts and David Price. Freeman got me those guys. You know, I wasn't, Kevin, I wasn't as vocal about Blake Trinan like David was, but I was also still pretty high on him. I wrote an article. You. I said he'd be a great ad. Freeman got us thank Blake you. Trinan. And yeah. then just a few days ago, I said Jake McGee, a great guy to plug in as a left-handed reliever, and Freeman does it again. Go ahead, David. It, it, Kevin, if I'm not mistaken, if I just could uh, chime in here, I, I think the Dodgers still have a GM opening. So <laughs> I don't know. Pray for us if that happens. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, one quick point. Uh, Look, I, I view what the Dodgers could do with Jake McGee as what they did with Joe Kelly last year. You notice last year where Kelly was struggling, and he basically just threw out his four-seam fastball. The sinker usage went up from 5% to 22%. The curveball usage went up from 18% to 36%. Um, so I can see you know, McGee kind of being a project. Granted, it's a short season. There's not going to be a lot of time to do this. Uh, but if they can get – you know, something's not clicking with him. He has a, he has a, he's been solid on the road, but still something's not been clicking with him over the past four years. So if they can, if they can do what they did with Kelly in a short amount of time, this is, this could be a home run. 
besides, you know, the, the Dodgers just humiliating the Diamondbacks. Yep. There is one little piece of news I, I saw in the LA Times that uh, Charlie Steiner will be calling the games from his house instead of going to the stadium. His doctors said that uh, it would be a huge mistake for him to go to the ballpark. So if you're listening on the radio, I, I think Rick Monday will still be at the ballpark. So to see the two of them kind of work together, like, you know, miles apart, it'll be interesting to see. They said they, he had a really nice setup at his home with a, like three big monitors. Uh, one of them was the, the truck feed. Another one was just a view of the entire field so they can get a sense of where the shifts are and whatnot. And then there's also a camera in the bullpen. Uh, that he'll be able to see on a monitor. So, I mean, it's good that, you know, they're they're allowing uh, Charlie Steiner to still call games, even from his yeah. house. Nobody gets more excited about a deep flyout than Charlie Steiner. That was my, that was my next point. <laughs> One, I'm glad he's going to be staying healthy in his home and being safe. Uh, and two, this could open the door for him. I mean, this may give him a better vantage point. He may have a better look. We, we may, the Steiner, we may not be getting <laughs> Steiner this year anymore. Who knows? I'm all for it. But Charlie yeah. Steiner is—he's a legend, and I'm—I'm I'm glad he's going to be going to be doing this. Yeah, I could go on about tons of Steinerisms, but we don't have enough time. So the Slaughter Fest, as we just mentioned, <laughs> wow! Yesterday, the Dodgers beating up poor Taylor Taylor Clark, and the Arizona Diamondbacks beating them twelve to one. We saw Mookie Betts go deep. Chris Taylor went deep. AJ Paul, I've got some RBIs. Corey Seager got doubles. What are your takeaways from this offense so far? It's a murderer's row. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's insane. I think you pointed out, David, that, um, or at least Oral Hershiser pointed out on the broadcast of like one through eight, you, you have to, all of them are all-stars. They either, yeah. have, they're either, they've either been in the all-star game. You don't get an all-star. What, what is it? It's, the first time there's not an all-star is when you got to the eight spot, which was Chris Taylor, who is an NLCS MVP. Right. So it, it, it's, I mean, it's insane. It, it, I'm looking at this lineup and I'm like, you, you cannot pitch around anybody. Everybody is dangerous. You got to be careful about, you know, you normally, when you look at a major league lineup, you say, okay, well, you've got a great number three hitter. You got to have someone behind him to protect him. Maybe he'll get some more fastballs because you don't want to face the number four hitter and whatnot, and you have all those strategy pieces. Every one of these hitters could be a number three or a number four hitter on any other team, and they're all on the Dodgers. And it's just, I mean, it's incredible to watch. Yeah, there's something comforting about having Jock Peterson in the six and seven spot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kevin, I know you don't like him leading off either. Uh, but having him in the six and seven spot is glorious. That's where it should have uh, been all these years. Yep. Well, I agree yeah, with that I mean, too. They, the Dodgers haven't really had a true leadoff hitter in a, in a while. Um, so I don't necessarily blame Roberts for, you know, plugging him in there. Uh, but, you know, having Peterson in that spot, you know, he could hit in a 60 game season, he could hit 20 homers, uh, yep. which would be remarkable. Um, but this, this team is scary. And I, I said it a few weeks ago on here. Uh, the formula for this team to win a World Series is to let the offense score eight runs and get five innings, five to six innings out of your starters, giving up three runs, and let this suddenly super deep bullpen uh, do the work. My first takeaway from the first two exhibition games is the first inning. I think it was the first game, 27 pitches from the opposing starter. The second game was 28 or 29 pitches. 
And when you can break down a pitcher that early on in a ball game, it's big. It might not seem like it early on in the game, but as the game progresses, that pitcher is going to get worn out. And just like what the Dodgers did yesterday, they were able to drop 12 runs. It sets up perfectly for a guy like Jock Peterson, who's batting sixth or seventh, because that pitcher is already going to have 30 plus pitches in as opposed to like one or two more fresh arms. So that's what I really like about batting Jock lower in the order. Yeah. And just with the crowd not being there, the sound off the bat is just, I mean, it looks like they're punishing the ball. I mean, it's just, it's insane. I mean, Jock Peterson's home run, I don't know how far it went, but Jesus Christ, he hit the crap out of it. And then Mookie Betts, I mean, no doubt about it into the, you know, left center field gap. It's just, you know, you look at this team and they're, they're terrifying and, I think I agree with you, David. I think that this team is built to score at least five to six runs a game, and that'll help out some of the shortcomings we may have in our starting rotation. With David Price out, uncertainty about Alex Wood, will Ross Stripling be good? There's a lot of question marks, but I think more times than not, you're going to see this offense bail the, the starters out. Yeah, no, it's it's. I think Friedman sees it too. I mean, I, I think there's a reason he's signing these guys, Jake McGee, AJ Ramos. Uh, I think he sees that the starters, you know, they're not going to be able to be relied upon to go seven innings, you know, with the exception of Bueller and, and Kershaw from time to time. Uh, so I think he sees what's going to work for this team, which is going to be offense and having a bunch of guys in the bullpen that can give you an inning. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see Tony Gonsolin was a guy I thought was going to crack the opening day roster. Now it could go to Josiah Gray, who's looked pretty impressive. I, I think he's not quite there yet. I, not in terms of talent, uh, yeah. but in terms of how the Dodgers run their organization, uh, you know, with no minor league seasons, right. the 60, the 60 man player pool and this, these exhibition games is basically the only way for these young guys to get experience. Yeah, and I think, I think his, that's, his start against the Angels, I think tonight is going to be pretty telling of where he actually is. Yeah, no, I think what he is is the next option should, you know, there be a significant injury or, you know, let's say Stripling or Wood or, or May or Gonsolin aren't performing well. Uh, I think this is basically his tryout to be the next replacement guy. He, he, you, can, you can take it to the bank. I, I really don't think he's going to make the opening day roster. Uh, but that's not a case of talent. That's just a case of how the Dodgers do things. I really hope that if – I assume that the starters will play tonight, but I really hope that they don't play the whole game. I just don't want any injuries. I yep. want them just off the field. They're ready eyes. to go. They're dialed in. Let's keep it that way. I don't want any any major injuries before we get to the start of the season. 100%. They, in my opinion, they should take nine guys off the street, put them in costumes, and start those dudes. <laughs> all right. Well, we don't just talk Dodgers all the time here. We can talk about other teams. So it's time to preview the rest of the NL West real quick, which I feel is pretty important because the Dodgers are going to play these teams 40 of their 60 games. So why don't we get to know the competition a little bit? We're going to start – out in the desert with the Arizona Diamondbacks who right now are projected at a wins total of 31 to 32 wins. And I'm actually going to go higher than that. I think this is going to be the team that the Dodgers have to deal with all season. I think they're going to win somewhere around 34 games and be the second or first wild card team. I really like the addition of Madison Bumgarner. I know he's 
hated by most Dodger fans, and some guys feel he's washed up. I on the I on the other hand disagree. I think he's still got a lot left in the tank, and I like the pickup of Cole Calhoun as well, another Dodger killer. I know the Dodgers just slaughtered him these last two games, but give me your guys' opinions on the Arizona Diamondbacks. Go ahead, David. I saw you shaking your head. Yeah, um, I don't view these guys as a, as a real threat. Uh, I think their ceiling is second wild card sneaking in into the playoffs. Um, Ketel Marte is, is a stud. Uh, Baumgartner is not anymore in opinion uh Archie Bradley's the closer their offense just isn't quite there they have Robbie Ray who I'm bi- I'm very high on I-, I would like the Dodgers to maybe explore into signing him in the offseason um but you know frankly this is going to be my answer for most of these teams in the NOS this is not a serious threat to the Dodgers specifically some of these teams may be able to sneak in as a wild card um, but even in a, even in a 60 game season where all these, you know, lower and in, inferior teams have way more of a chance than in a 162 game season, I still don't see it, especially, you know, for the Diamondbacks. I'm somewhere in between you guys, because I feel that even though I don't feel like they're going to give us that many problems in terms of winning the division, I do think that they are the most serious threat in the NL West. They're coming back with, uh, fairly similar roster to last year, albeit with the um, additions of Starling Marte. Ketel Marte has been awesome. Uh, He's sort of blossomed out of nowhere. It seems Eduardo Escobar is really nice. He's for nothing. I know. And he's turned into a guy that can hit 30 bombs. I mean, out of nowhere, I didn't even hear this guy a couple years ago. Cole Calhoun is, is a nice piece. Uh, You know, a Dodger killer, so to speak, it sort of replaces the, Gerardo Paras of the world. Um, but the starting rotation, I just – Bumgarner, you don't know what he's got left in the tank. And if he's your ace, if you're, he's your number one guy, I just don't see that he's going to be able to carry this staff. If he were, you know, on a team like, let's say, the Yankees or the Dodgers, then you could say, okay, well, if he does well, great. If he doesn't, it's not so bad. We've got other pitchers around him. Sort of like a David Price kind of a kind of a move where it's like, it'd be nice if he was there. If he's not there, we can kind of handle that. But in terms of their rotation, I mean, they were supposed to have Mike Leak. He's opted out of the season. Yes. Uh, Robbie Ray, he's another, you know, nice arm, but, you know, he's well, – one guy I, I want to point to is, is Zach Gallen. That, that was my guy. Uh, I was, yeah, I was going to say. I was going to yeah. say Zach Gallen is, is, is probably going to be the most – the big surprise for them this year. Yeah, I think he is their best pitcher. Uh, I think he's going to be a stalwart in the league for a long time. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, if he puts it all together this season. Uh, but I think I'm on the side of their pitching rotation is better than their offense. Okay, yeah, I was, really? uh, I was about to lean right there too. Zach Allen, when he was acquired by the D-backs around the trade deadline last season, he made a handful of starts for them, and he compiled a 2.89 ERA, which is pretty good. Luke Weaver, another guy to keep your eye out on, former first-round draft pick from the St. Louis Cardinals. They got him in exchange for Paul Goldschmidt. He had a pretty sloppy 2019, but there have been signs in the past that this is a really good young pitcher to come. So I think they have four really good pitchers. They don't really have that true ace like the Dodgers do per se, but I think their rotation is definitely going to keep them in ball games. And they have the offense that was in the middle of the pack of the NL last year to 
make them a contender at least. To me, there are too many question marks in their in their pitching staff. I mean, yeah, I think Zach Allen's going to be really good for them, but we don't know. I mean, you know, there's not enough there to say that you're confident that their their pitching staff is going to be great. And you know, uh, Archie Bradley at the end of the bullpen. I mean, I don't know. I think he's a lot. <laughs> yeah. He's and more hype. He's more hype than anything. And we've <laughs> yeah. killed him. I mean, if if Matt Kemp can destroy this man, I just don't see how he's really like the guy what does that mean about matt kemp i love matt kemp <laughs> I, i've always loved matt kemp but i'm saying that like this guy <laughs> couldn't get matt kemp out you know at the back end Twice. of his matt kemp is a was on a hall of fame track at one point i'm just <laughs> at messing one with point i'm at just messing point. with you closing thoughts on the d-backs this was a team last year that was in the wild card hunt and they decided to throw it all away maybe they didn't want the dodgers to win or something traded Zach Greinke to the Houston Astros for essentially nothing and ended up giving Bumgarner all that money. So some question marks for sure on their decision process. The next team we got to talk about is the Colorado Rockies, who had a pretty bad 2019. I think they only won 72 games or so. Right now they're projected to win about 26 to 27 games. And I'll go with Jake on this one first. Give me some thoughts on the Rockies. The Rockies, well, I think we talked about this a couple of podcasts ago, but I think we brought up the fact that the Dodgers are playing most of their games versus the Rockies at Dodger Stadium, which is great. Because Coors Field is going to be their safe haven. They've got a really good lineup. It didn't really shock the world last year, and Nolan Arenado's sort of been – very vocal about his displeasure with the Rockies front office and their inability to kind of make big moves, but they've got really not a really nice lineup. They got Arenado, Trevor story, uh, David Dahl. I mean, these are, these are good. These are good hitters. Their big issue is that they have no starting pitching. They just, they've got Herman Marquez. Who's a nice piece. And they're kind of, uh, who's that lefty they got the, the guy Kyle that, Freeland, Kyle yeah. Freeland. Yeah. I was going to bring 2018. 2018, he was uh, he was up there in the Cy Young voting, yeah. and then and then in 19, he was just awful. So you don't know if he's going to be good. John Gray, I mean, they're bringing back all these guys. They haven't really improved that starting rotation at all, um, and their their bullpen um, is questionable too. I you know they've got I, they think they still have that guy Oberg, but yeah. Oberg um, and Davis, yeah, and Wade Davis, right. So I, I think that they'll, they'll, be, they'll be nice and they may surprise people. Um, but I think like the Dodgers in a way, they've got to rely uh, – well, they have to rely too heavily on their offense to carry the, carry yes. the team. The Dodgers, in the, in the Dodgers' case, they have the luxury of having their offense carry the team and their, and their pitching is good enough to where if their offense isn't doing well one night, the pitching could take over and hold a lead. I don't see that happening with the Rockies. All right. I think Herman Marquez is a stud. I think he could win the Cy Young this year. Whoa. And, but let me get into my next point. If the Rockies surprise people, which they could, and make the playoffs, Trevor Story will win the National League MVP. This dude is an absolute stud. I think he will be the best shortstop in baseball within two years, uh, widely regarded as. Uh, in a 60-game season, this is my team to watch in the NL West. It sounds crazy. Uh, but this offense, even without Ian Desmond, uh, is something to watch for. I love Arnado. I love Story. I like Dahl a lot, and I like Charlie Blackman a lot. 
those four guys at the top of the lineup can do some damage. And like, like Jake said, we don't know what we're going to get from Freeland and Gray. I like Senzatella at the back end of the rotation. Chichi Gonzalez is also a factor. Apparently he destroyed the Dodgers last year. Um, yep. But here's the thing. It's 60 games. So all these guys need to do is have a hot start. And that's, that's it uh, in terms of their pitchers. Because, you know, pitchers can have up and downs in the years, and, and that makes for a bad overall season. Uh, but in a short season, these guys, you know, come off with each of them five hot starts. They're right in it. So they're, they could be my surprise team. Yeah, Colorado Rockies, either they're going to be in the hunt or they're just going to be disaster. I don't think yeah. there's any in between. I agree. I think Kyle Freeland is actually due for a bounce back year, not 2018 where he had an ERA under three and 17 wins, but I think he'll have something in the high threes and be competitive at least this year. And their bullpen, definitely a ton of question marks. They let McGee and Shaw go. Now they're going to rely on the young arm. I think Estevez is a guy to look out for. And then their offense, I don't really have much to add, but I do think Brendan Rodgers is a guy to keep your eye out on. He's a young infielder, and I think he actually has as much, if not just close, potential to what Gavin Lux has. And I think with yeah. the DH, it's going to benefit them more than any team in the NLS besides the Dodgers, I guess. No, they've, they've been bad for a long time, so they have a bunch of hot, uh, high draft picks that are now coming up like Brendan Rodgers. All right, the next team – we got to talk about is the San Diego Padres, and I want to go last on this one. Right now, they're projected to win between 30 and 31 games, so I'll start with David on this one for the Padres. Uh, this is who's going to finish second in the division. Um, they're, they've been close for a while now. Uh, and what do you I mean think close? They've been in they've fourth been, or fifth every year. Right, but they've been close to putting it together to a, to a contender. Okay. Uh, and I think that no one benefits more from a shortened season than them. Uh, they don't necessarily have the depth I would, you know, want in terms offensively for a 162 game season. Uh, but you know, in a 60 game season, I like the, I like their trades they made this off season. I like Tommy Pham, uh, and I like the uh, left hander they got from uh, I forget who what team they got uh, Pomeranz. And someone else, they got a, a left-hander from. Uh, their bullpen is very good. Very, very good. And I like their starting pitchers, too. Paddock, uh, Lam LeMay, Lamett, uh, Davies, and Lucchese with Cal being a factor tremendously. And I think they finished second. I think a lot of it has to depend on what kind of season Manny Machado has. I think yeah. that a lot of Padres fans are disappointed in his 2019 season after signing that monster contract. I, as a, as Dodger fans, I, I was very disappointed with him as well. Just He just kind of underwhelmed me. He was decent, but it'll be interesting to see how he does his second year as a Padre. And then Fernando Tatis Jr. I mean, this guy was all class until he got hurt last year. So he's, he's you know, on the, on the comeback trail. And I, I, think, I think he's as good as, as, as anyone out there. Um, but guys like Eric Hosmer, he, he's, a nice, he's a nice piece. They got a decent offense, but um, there's too many question marks for their, for their pitching staff. I like Paddock. He showed some flashes of dominance last year. I think he's a little bit too confident for the kind of work that he's put out there. But um, I think that, that he, I mean, he's going to be the opening day starter. That guy, Lamette, is, is, is yep. going to be good as well. But the, 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 the best thing about the, the Padres, if, 
you could go either offense or bullpen, but I think the bullpen is the strongest part of this team yeah. anchored by Kirby Yates. I think that uh, they've done a really nice job of putting a, a decent bullpen together. Um, but I still think that they're not there yet to being contenders. They need to flush out that starting uh, rotation. And um, I think we'll get a true look at their offense this year to see if they've got the offense to be a contender. And Emilio Pagan is the guy I couldn't think of. That's the guy they got from Tampa Bay, who's very, very good right. in, in relief. This is my favorite team to go against the pack. I think this is an easy under. I got them going 25 and 35, which would be 10 games below 500. You can take an old car and make it look as flashy as you want on the outside, but if that transmission is not fixed up whatsoever, it's not going to run well. And that is exactly what the San Diego Padres are. This is a team filled with a ton of bad contracts. They had no business adding Eric Cosmer. He's not going to do anything for them. Manny Machado proved last year he's one of the most overrated players in the league, and I don't think given his work ethic, he's going to have a great 2020. The starting rotation is mediocre at best. I actually think Denilson Lamont is going to be their best pitcher. He's coming off Tommy John surgery, so that's why we didn't see a lot of him last year. Garrett Richards. Good signing, but the guy always gets hurt, so I don't expect that to change whatsoever. They traded their Dodger killer, the lefty Eric Lauer, in exchange for um, Davies from the Brewers. And, I mean, Zach Davies is a soft-tossing righty, the perfect kind of pitcher that the Dodgers feast off of. I didn't like the Drew Pomeran signing whatsoever. I think he basically benefited from a limited sample size, and he's going to be more realistically what we saw in San Francisco, just a lousy lefty getting destroyed every start, maybe except against the Dodgers. And I think Kirby Yates is going to fall off the wagon. He's up there in age, and I think last year was just fool's gold, and I'm not sold on Tatis Jr. either. I think that was a flash Ooh, in the no, pan. you got to be sold on him. He, he's going to be good, but he's not going to be what he was last season. He played like 80 games. I think he's going to probably hit under 300 this year, and – Trevor, yeah. Story, Trevor Story and Fernando Tatis Jr. are going to haunt the Dodgers for, dec- for a decade. And then Will Myers is just another bad contract. So I think the Padres are going to still remain a bottom five offense. And, yeah, they have a bullpen, but that's about it. They did, however, improve their uniforms. That's my take. I think <laughs> that, their, that their uniforms the last couple of years have been awful. I think they should go back to the pinstripes with Tony Gwynn was there. Oh, yeah. Um, those were my favorite Padres those uniforms. Sweet. These ones are they're better than last year, but they're still kind of weird. Just I the like color I like scheme it. is just so bad. I know they don't know what they're doing. They don't, well, it's because they have no identity. So it's just right. like brown desert. Ugh. And the last team in the division that the Dodgers will have to face is the San Francisco Giants, who are right now slotted at twenty five and a half wins. That's generous. I don't have to. I don't have a lot to say about this team other than. Easy under. I think they win 20 games at most and go 20 and 40. This is just a really bad assembled roster. I think Farhan has been nothing short of a disaster for the Giants. He had the opportunity to swing Bumgarner and Will Smith for some high prospect value, and instead he just let them walk away in free agency for nothing. And it's worth noting to start the season, Buster Posey opted out, so they won't have him. He's their best player, in my opinion. Evan Longoria and Brandon Belt aren't going to be there to start the season. So the Dodgers have four with them to kick off 2020. Should take three of the four easily. And then the rotation, they added Gaussman and Johnny Cueto as their ace. I'd never liked the Cueto signing to begin with. So this is a really bad team. 
I think Cueto's been decent for them. I, I mean, he's been he's been injured, but I think he's been decent for them. I think the Giants at full strength would would still be bad. And now that now that they don't have Posey, they're they're going to be without Longoria and who was the other one? Belt? Did you say oh, yeah. he was Belt? Like honestly, like the, who who are who is this team? You know, Hunter Pence and the Giants. What is this? Yeah. Um, this is this is going to be an embarrassment. Um, I feel uh, you know. Actually, I know I don't feel bad for Giants fans. They they, they, des- they deserve it for for all the the crap that they were talking when they won those three championships. Um, I, I think this team is going to be, is going to be sad. And, uh, Oh, this was something that I found funny that Gabe Kapler, the new manager there, uh, he's going to try some weird stuff. He said that they, that he's going to, he's not going to go with a traditional starting rotation. He's going to go with what he called quote buckets of pitchers. So bulk inning guys, uh, spring guys and back to back guys, whatever the hell that means. So he's just going to kind of, uh, basically pick and choose, uh, you know, matchups. He's going to have a lot of bullpen days. Apparently he doesn't feel that he has the starting rotation. Uh, he doesn't feel he has pitchers that can face a lineup second time around. So that should tell you everything you need to know that yeah. this team is just in disarray. Okay. This team is so bad. <laughs> they are almost unrecognizable. It is one of the worst rosters I've seen in a long, long time. Basically, there are two players that are worth mentioning, and basically the only players who would be on the Dodgers roster are Tony Watson and Reyes Maranta, who are two relievers. Those are their best players right now. This is an embarrassment, uh, frankly, uh, that we even have to watch these games, in my opinion. Uh, The only reason to watch the Giants is if they call up Joey Bart, their top catching prospect, who is going to be very good. Uh, But as a whole, it's so bad in San Francisco right now. It is terrible. I think they could win 15 games. And I I say that seriously. Well, Kevin, when you you said that they were going to win 20 games, when did that prediction come out? Before or after all these guys were not going to be able to play? See, the reason they're going to get 20 wins is they're going to have five against the Padres, who are almost as bad, in my opinion. They'll get a few oh, against no, the Rockies. It's not even close. close. Not no even way. close. We're going to – we'll see. I'm going to hold you guys to that. They should get at least two or three against the Rockies because they have no pitching. I'm sure they're going to win two or three against the Dodgers because it doesn't matter who goes out for the Giants. They seem to always have some kind of fluke upset win. So that's about 10 right there. Seattle is nothing to look at. Rangers, mediocre. We'll get to all that in a second. So I the think – Dodger yeah. could win 12 games. 12. <laughs> I, think, that I think 20 is being fair. Doesn't mean they could do worse, but just out of respect, 20 and 40. What respect? And that's going to conclude our NOS rundown. So just to do a quick recap, I'll go first. My NOS standings predictions, I'm going to have the Dodgers – in first place, no surprise there. I actually think they'll win 40 games, followed by Arizona in second, Colorado in third, San Diego in fourth, and the Giants sitting there in last place. What about you, Jake? Uh, I'm going to go Dodgers, D-backs, Rockies, Padres, Giants. So, yeah. And I'm going to go Dodgers, Padres, Rockies, D-backs, Giants in a complete category, <laughs> in the cellar, 
12 games to 15 game wins. Just atrocious. <laughs> An embarrassment to baseball. <laughs> I'd love to see it. If there's any person who wants to see the Giants lose, it's any Dodger fan, honestly. So let's switch gears. The Dodgers are also playing 20 games against the AOS, so it's worth just highlighting these teams real quick. And David, I know you definitely have some thoughts on at least two of these teams in the division, so why don't you kick it off? Yeah, um, so the, the, basically the three teams that are going to be competing for that are the Astros, Angels, and A's. Uh, I have – well, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you guys my predictions when we get to it later. Um, the Mariners and the Rangers, you know, I think the Dodgers are going to play them. Uh, they are going to play them, and I don't think we even have to, you know, discuss. They'll be serviceable. Uh, I think the Mariners finished last in that division. I think the Rangers will be okay, uh, but not great. Uh, in terms of the Angels, we don't know what's going to happen. Their pitching staff is super thin. Um, I'm excited to see Otani uh, pitch this year. Dylan Bundy I've always been a fan of, uh, but after that it's, it's tough. It's Griffin Canning and, and you know, a couple others. Uh, but the the Astros and the the A's are are the teams to worry about. Why don't you also mention Artie Moreno and his impatience for Jock Peterson and Stripling? Uh, yes, the Angels declined to take uh, Jock Peterson and Ross Stripling because Artie Moreno got impatient. That is <laughs> that is the new slogan, Dodgers fans. So anytime Jock Peterson or Ross Stripling does anything, that is what you say. That's it. That's the tweet. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jake? Um, my prediction for the AL West, I think that the Astros are going to be the leader of that division. They're coming back with a similar team to last year, uh, albeit without Garrett Cole, but they do have Zach Granke, Verlander's back. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see if Verlander can keep up his sort of newfound uh, glory in sort of these later years of his career. But their their bullpen's going to be a little iffy. Um, I guys that you know are are missing for either injuries or for COVID reasons or for unknown reasons like Joe Smith and Roberto Osuna um, doesn't look like Osuna's going to be ready for the beginning of the season. They they lost uh, Will Harris, so it's it's going to be. Uh, you know, interesting to see about their bullpen. The Angels will be interesting. Their offense is going to be good. It's going to be a lot better than last year uh, with Rendon in there. Um, but again, it just it just baffles me that they continue to not have pitching. Like yeah. they just continue to not have good pitchers, and they haven't had you know they haven't really had a decent pitcher since like uh, Jared Weaver. I mean, I can't even. <laughs> I can't even think about their starting rotation right now. It's just been it's just been bad after bad after bad, and this year is no different. And again, they had a they have an they had an opportunity to get Ross Stripling, and he would have been a really nice piece for their starting rotation. Wouldn't have been their ace. But I don't know. Maybe he could have been. Um, but they're they're gonna you know they're gonna be their their pitching is gonna be bad again. But the Athletics are gonna be right there too. I think that they. Um, are coming back with virtually the same team. Uh, their starting rotation is a little young. Um, uh, Mike Fires is the exception to that, but you know their opening day starter, Frankie Montas. You know he he looked pretty good last year. He's you know coming back from from injuries and stuff. So their starting right. rotation is interesting, and um, I think that their offense is going to be good. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I don't think we need to worry about the Rangers or the Mariners. My my question is though, do you think that 
the Mariners or the Giants will which one will be worse? The, the Giants, Giants will be worse the Giants than will everyone. Be. They are so bad. The Mariners are pretty awful too, but yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, but for the A's, they, they have a couple young prospects, let, pitching prospects. Let me cut uh, you off. I wanna but, I wanna steal this moment. The Oakland A's have assembled a juggernaut. They kind of did what the Kansas City Royals did in 2014 and 15. They really just built up the farm. And Frankie Montes, who we just brought up, he's going to be a stud this year. Yeah, he got suspended 80 games for steroids. but Oh, yeah, that was it. It wasn't the the injury. It was the steroids. (laughs) All the reports, the former Dodgers prospects, all the reports indicate this guy is in his best form ever. And I think he is going to really break out for the A's this year. Sean Manaya is another good young lefty. He had a Tommy John or shoulder surgery. I can't remember which one. And he missed basically virtually all of 2019. But before that, he was a really good prospect for the A's. And he also has some experience under his belt. And then the other guy who I think we got to keep our eye out on is Jesus Luzerato. There you go. Only saw little, just a little sample from him last year. But all signs indicate this is another great lefty. It's almost like the A's put back together Mark Mulder, Zito, and Hudson. Um, and Hudson, yes. Yeah. Billy you gotta, Bean. You got to mention AJ Puck, though. This guy is a I, top prospect. That was uh, the next thing just, I was going to say. They just put him on the on the injured list with a shoulder strain. But if he comes back healthy, that is that is a juggernaut. Yeah, and their bullpen is also pretty solid, despite cutting Blake Trinan loose for nothing. But Liam Hendricks proved last year he was the best closer in the American League, even though they gave it to Chapman for whatever reason. Louis Trevino was phenomenal in 2018, did not have the same success in 2019, but if he can turn it around, he's good. Yosemero Petit, another respectable arm. He used to be part of the Giants. He can pitch two to three innings if needed. And then Joachim Soria got some experience under his belt as well. He's like hit or miss. It's kind of weird with him. And then the offense – just want to highlight Matt Olson, who's a great first baseman, and Matt Chapman, who I think is going to be the best third baseman in baseball coming soon. Yeah, yeah, that Another lineup is scary. Game. So and Marcus Simeon, who was and Mar- I don't know yeah, if you mentioned him, but he was an MVP. I think he was a finalist last year. He was a finalist. Yep, yeah. I didn't mention him, but yeah. Marcus Simeon, another guy worth noting. And I like that guy Luriano in the outfield. Yeah, he, yeah, he he's made another... some unbelievable plays last year. And Chris Davis will hit 247 again, but hit a bunch of home runs. So if you couldn't gather from my take, I'm having the Oakland A's winning that division. I'll even elaborate later on in this episode where I think they're going. In terms of the rest of the division, Mariners and Rangers suck, but it's worth noting, I think the Rangers are going to be that team who will be major sellers at this deadline, even if it's a very condensed season. I expect Mike Miner to go elsewhere, maybe even Corey Kluber, but Miner's I'm not going to talk about minor, but I think he will get traded because he's a free agent at the end of the year. The Houston Astros are going to be so bad. And I know every gaming and betting website (laughs) has this team winning 35 games or whatever, going to the World Series. Let me just tell you, this team is so fraudulent. They let Garrett Cole walk in the offseason. So now who's their ace? Justin Verlander, who got lit up in the World Series. I think Verlander is due for some serious regression in 2020. We've seen the best of him. Zach Greinke, another guy who's on his last leg. Somehow he managed to pitch very well towards the end of 2019, but early on he got lit up by the Dodgers. 
And the rest of the rotation is just full of question marks. Lance McCuller Jr., who I think is highly overrated. He's coming off an injury. And then the back end of the rotation, not even worth noting. So hopefully the Dodgers can light up that fifth starter when we see them in a week or so. And then Here's the, the off. Go ahead. Here's the thing about the Astros. I, I, I don't think they're going to be as bad as you think they are. I think they are a really good team. And if you take away, if you were to take away the whole cheating scandal and all of that, they would still be good. It's the argument that I, that I make all the time about Barry Bonds. It's like, if he didn't take steroids, he'd still be a Hall of Fame caliber player. He just, you know, he may not have hit 73 home runs, but he still would have been one of the best players we've ever seen. I think this Astros team is good on its own without the cheating. So I don't think you can count them out quite yet, even though they do have some question marks uh, on the pitching side. I want it on record that the most games they're going to win is either 30 or 31 at the most, and they're going to miss the postseason. All right, you're on record. I think Jordan Alvarez is also another fraud. If he knew what every pitch was coming, then maybe the Dodgers didn't give up such a valuable asset as we originally thought. Yeah, we could have put him at DH, though. (laughs) Edwin Rios, baby. Edwin Rios. All right, let's get into these predictions. And then finally, the Angels. I didn't like their offseason whatsoever. I think Anthony Rendo is mentally checked out. This guy was literally complaining that players can chew gum, but they can't spit seeds. So I think Anthony Rendo is totally that dude who spits gum out on the sidewalk. All right. <laughs> go ahead, David. You want me to go first? Um, yeah, okay, go I'll go it. first. <laughs> All right. So this is a 60-game season. These would not be my predictions in a 162-game season. So let's get weird. NL West, Dodgers, no question about it. NL Central, I'm going with the Reds. I like the Reds a lot this year. Uh, I think they're going to win that division. And I also think no one else from that division even makes the playoffs. NL East, I'm going with the Braves. And the two wildcard teams are also from the NL East. I'm going with the Phillies and the Mets. Mets, you ask? Yes, yes the, Mets. the Mets. I love their bullpen. Uh, you got DeGrom. Uh, I think their offense is going to improve this year. Pete Alonso could win the MVP pretty easily. Uh, I think a lot of teams, like the Brewers, possibly the Cardinals, uh, I don't think they're going to do that well this year. Uh, and I think a shortened season benefits, benefits the Mets. Um, in the East, I'm going with the Yankees, the Twins, and the A's as the division winners. Uh, and in the wild card, I think the Astros do get in. And I'm going with the White Sox. Another young, exciting team. 60-game uh, season opens the door for them. I think they sneak in with a good pitching staff and a very exciting offense. If you don't know who Luis Robert is, familiarize yep. yourself with him uh this dude is the next superstar in the league i think they uh, they open they let him let him go this year let him you know have free reign uh and in the world series uh originally a few weeks ago i had the a's versus the dodgers two a's before the season i'm going with the yankees versus the dodgers so you have the did you have the rays missing the playoffs correct i have the rays missing okay. the playoffs okay go ahead okay Jake. So I have a similar outlook. So I'm going to go with the NOS Dodgers, of course, no brainer. I think the, uh, the Cardinals, uh, I, I really like the Cardinals. Um, I think that, they, that they'll bounce back from, from last year and, and win the uh, NL Central. Uh, NL East, I'm going Braves. Uh, that's sort of a no brainer for me. Um, the NL wild card will feature the D-backs and the Mets. I also think the Mets are going to make the, the make the playoffs. I like their team. I like their offense. Robinson Cano comes back strong. I think they've got a really decent team. Uh, 
Mets um, are so bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're going to surprise you. Um, for the American League, I'm going with the Astros in the West. I'm going with the Twins in the Central. I don't think anybody – I mean, maybe the White Sox could make a run uh, at the Twins, but I think the Twins have the AL Central locked up. They're, they look really good. They, they've made their team better, I think, with Maeda and Rich Hill, and they're coming back with virtually you know, the same offense, and I think they're, I think they're a solid team. Um, AL East Yankees, they're, they're a juggernaut. Um, and then the AL wild card, I'm going to say the Angels – uh, and the White Sox as there well. And the White Sox, I think, are a really good young club. Like that guy, Robert. I like Moncada. I like um, Abreu. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like, yeah, exactly. I didn't say it. He did. Um, and Eloy Jimenez. I mean, they, these guys can hit. Uh, Tim Anderson. These guys are awesome. Um, the only question is will be with their starting rotation – uh, Giolito, I really like him, but um, yeah. they, they've got some question marks there. Um, for the World Series, uh, I'm going Dodgers-Yankees, and then uh, the champs are going to be the Dodgers. Worth noting before I get started, I actually like the White Sox in 162-game normal season, but with this shortened season, I ruled them out. I think the Indians and White Sox are going to essentially cancel each other out. So let me just go real quick. Dodgers, Anna West, the Braves, the NL East. I've been high on them for a year now. And then the NL Central, I also have the Reds. I agree with David. I think they're the only team from that division to make the postseason. Mm. And then the wild card, the Phillies, top seed versus the Diamondbacks. The American League, Yankees, AL East, no surprise there. AL Central, the Twins as well. The AL West, the Oakland Athletics. My wild card game, I'm going to have the Tampa Bay Rays, who I actually think could have the second best record in the AL. But because they're with the Yankees, that'll bump them down. And they'll be taking on the Angels. Okay. And what's your World Series? The World Series, I'll have the Oakland Athletics at the Los Angeles Dodgers. All right. All right. rematch. Here we go. <laughs> is it out of left field time? I think it is. I think so. Okay. Why don't you why don't you kick us off? Jake, you go first. I got to get my out. Zone. Here's my out of left field. Wear a damn mask. I don't care who you are. I don't care if, if you think you can't breathe or if you think it's some sort of conspiracy that these masks don't work. They do work. They've been proven to work. And everyone complaining about how their freedom is being taken away. Think about the freedoms that you are taking away by not wearing a mask and endangering other people. The freedom to live, to live comfortably, to live healthy. I, there are a lot of people that uh, I am close to that are high risk. Uh, my girlfriend and my father are two people, and I am very vigilant about wearing masks outside. I think that it is uh, just stupid if you think that, oh, just because you're outside, you don't have to wear a mask you do. It's not that hard. It's not that inconvenient. Maybe if you're going for a run, you don't wear a mask, but for everything else, you should be doing it. And on top of that, I just have to say that you, that you don't have to wear a mask while you're driving your car. It makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. It looks stupid. So that's the one time where you can take your mask off. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I mean, worst case scenario, I don't have much to say on that because that was kind of your, your uh, left field, but worst case scenario, you put a piece of cloth on your face for an hour. Right. So. How hard is that? Yeah. Like, you know, let's, let's flatten the curve or whatever and, and get out of this hell hole we're in. 
I'm absolutely team masks, so I have nothing else to add. I've, I'm endorsing your opinion. Thank you. <laughs> All Devin, right. you want to go or you want yeah, me to Yeah, I'll do it. I'm ready. All right. I'll finish this off then. My out of left field today is apologies. Oh, no. You're like, oh, no. What do you mean by apologies? The last couple of years in particular, there's just been a lot of dumb things said by people and immediately they get backlash. The first thing I have to say is if you're going to post something on social media, think before you act. But if you do find yourself in a little bit of a hole and you said something stupid and now you offended a wide audience, at least put a sincere, genuine apology. I'm tired of seeing these publicist-ridden, robot-sounding apologies where they completely dodge what they've said and they try to play the victim card here. That is probably the number one thing that pisses me off is when someone offends someone and then they try to play the victim card. No, just don't do that. First of all, no one's going to gain your respect if you do that. Second of all, an apology is one of the easiest things to do. Swallow your pride, be the bigger person, say, you know what? I screwed up. Should have never said that. I really regret my actions. Don't make any excuses. Just get straight to the point. We just saw literally yesterday with a baseball podcast. Oh, no. You know, they said some insensitive things and they didn't handle it the right way. You know, one of the people on the podcast put out an apology and their excuses essentially was they didn't realize it was on the episode. Despite tweeting a few hours earlier, they had edited it. 8,000 plus times. So my final thought is, if you're going to put an apology out there, put some thought into it, make it sound sincere, and that is the easiest way to gain back the trust and respect of your colleagues. Okay. Um, If you're listening to this, you couldn't see me at the time, but I was holding up a sign that said, I didn't say it, he did. Um, So there's that. Uh, Transitioning to my outer left field, and this is clearly a serious one, um, mine is on people who insist on having conversations with you when you've already made your way to the exit and you're within five feet of the door. If I've yep. gotten up from where I'm sitting or the table or wherever, and I'm already making my way to the exit, I've physically moved my body towards the exit. That signals the end of the conversation. <laughs> you don't have a right to start a conversation or to continue a prolonged conversation with me as I'm within, let's say, five feet of the the threshold of the door. If I've made the decision, the conscious decision to get up, we've ended the conversation. I I decided that that was the time when I was going to move myself to the the exit. My time with you has, has ceased. It's over. I will see you next time. You can text me. But if I've made my way to the exit, consider me gone. I'm gone with the wind. It's over. That's it. I I really appreciate that one. And I'll go even a step further. If you're having a phone conversation with someone and you give the, all right, that should be the signal that the conversation is going to end. You do not start another tangent after, all right, okay. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, this is great. The conversation needs to end. No, that's exactly, that's the the digital version of, of me moving myself towards the exit. Right. It, it, uh, it needs to stop. We need more awareness of what, all right, or me move, physically moving my body towards the exit means. 
I, I, I appreciate if I'm hanging out with you, I, I'm hanging out with you for a reason. Uh, but if I am moving myself to the exit that again, for a third time signifies that my time there is over. Yep. Very Kevin, good. Please. I don't have anything to add. If you want to attack me, now's your chance. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to, I don't want to put a target on my back. I would love for you to take the opposite standpoint, honestly. I don't, I don't have anything to add. I, okay. I'm, on, I'm on par with you guys. Nothing okay, to disagree about. <laughs> All right, that's going to conclude today's Out of Left Field, brought to you by, <laughs> insert future sponsor here. Brought to you by <laughs> Jose Abreu. <laughs> exactly. Concluding today's episode of The Incline, now is your chance to give your final thoughts. Two days before the season, this Dodgers offense is explosive. I'm going to say it again. The formula to win the World Series for the Dodgers, score a ton of runs, score five to eight runs a game, rely on two to three earned runs from your pitchers in five to six innings, and let the bullpen do work. I think this is the best bullpen we've had in some time. That is my formula. Hopefully it stands true. I'm excited that baseball is back. Watching these spring training games has been awesome. I've been glued to it. I think that it's going to be weird. It's going to be wild. We're going to see, we've already seen a million things we've never seen before. We're about to see a million more. And I just, I just really hope that the Dodgers can dominate like they've dominated the Diamondbacks the last two games throughout the season. And I think, I think capping off this year with a World Series championship given everything that's happened, I think would just, it would, it would make 2020 okay for me. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't make it great, but it would make it okay. And I think that that's something that I'm holding on to. For me, the Dodgers have four games coming up with the Giants. And if they're going to be as bad as you guys say they will, they should they will have, be. They, there's no reason for them not to sweep or at least win three of those games, especially if the starters are Cueto, Samarja, Drew Smiley, and Kevin Gaussman. One of those games, the Dodgers should drop double digits on them. They could so. score 40 runs in that series. <laughs> so. I, I cannot reiterate how bad the Giants are this year. You are going to see people you have never heard of make up most of their entire roster. We already have. I mean, I can't name all the players on the, on the starting, for the starting yeah. nine for them. No, it's, it's going to be bad. All right. Thank you guys for listening to the latest episode of The Incline. I guess the next time you're going to hear from us, we'll have some Dodgers baseball underway, finally. So look forward to that. Stay tuned. Subscribe to us. Follow Dodgers Lowdown on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and more. Follow The Incline Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. And then you'll find our Twitter handles in the description below. So give us a follow where you can see all our amazing takes. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week ahead. We're out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.